Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. The Baba Yaga Project is a podcast and blog that focuses on the ritualized year, folklore, and history, lovingly researched and recorded by your hosts, Margot and Sonia. Hi, my name is Margot, and I have a master's degree in American history with a focus on Indigenous studies. And I'm Sonia, and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. Baba Yaga in the his house. This week we are talking about <laughs> the oldest profession. <laughs> I mean, technically the oldest professions, historically speaking, are, um, you know, like hypothesized to be like farming and fishing. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we have to title it this because... You know, algorithms aren't going to like it if we put certain words in the title. Yeah, what are we... Wait, what are we titling it? We're going to have to title it The Oldest Profession. Oh! Because... Because, because okay, we can't... Yeah. We, we can't we're talking just about sex work, it. y'all. Yeah, we're talking about sex work, uh, <laughs> prostitution, uh, brothels, things that we can't put in the titles of things. Yeah. Because then algorithms get very mad. Yeah. Also, um, Sonia's going to go off on our, like, 18-minute trigger warning. Uh, okay, so 18-minute trigger <laughs> warning starting now. Um, okay, so now the lengthy trigger warning. Yes. Uh, let's just say we are talking about, uh, I mean, let's, let's start off today, even today in the modern world, right? Yes. Like, a lot of people in the sex industry are not there, uh, shall we say, voluntarily. Yes. Um, have been trafficked, abused, coerced, etc. We're talking about the history of this industry, institution, mm-hmm. job, what have you. Um, and the history of it is somehow even more bleak um, than what we would... <laughs> like, it is incredibly bleak. Um, it involves uh, a lot of uh, child child abuse. Um, it involves mm-hmm. a lot of uh, kidnapping, slavery... Yep rape torture um assorted imprisonment um horrific violence against women um i just just all the trigger warnings just any type if of if it's bad and, yeah it's pro if it if something it if you has, can think of a bad thing it's going to be talked about in this episode yeah yeah so um like there are just there are things that i learned doing this deep dive that like i wish i didn't know so like you don't have to listen to this one if you don't want to that's fine yeah yeah feel anyway free to skip this episode but if you are interested uh because this was a a big part of the life cycle of a a lot of people which is why we're including it so and also we will of course also be talking about you know like in the past as today like there are mm-hmm. also people who were not necessarily like horribly coerced or otherwise you know un unable to make this choice for themselves and we are going to be you know kind of making that distinction between like sex workers who did this at least somewhat voluntarily versus like prostituted people like people who were 
forced into this because I think there is a distinction to be made there in terms of basically like agency and what people were able to decide for themselves. Right. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, consider yourselves yes. warned. Yes. Uh, and now we are going to dive into the oldest profession. <laughs> we're going to start it. out with me in ancient Greece where mm-hmm. both like women and girls and also boys yes. engaged in prostitution um sometimes there and i will get to this um like basically this is a very very common aspect of throughout a lot of ancient greece um mm-hmm. especially in cities and particularly in port cities it was a pretty significant number of people and was a like big part of the economic activity of the era the <laughs> part of an economic activity of the area mm-hmm. um so this was not something that was going on like underground or like you know to the sidelines like yeah. cities did not have an issue with there being brothels um there just had to be like regulations on them which essentially means like you can operate as long as you pay taxes like yeah. as long as you're giving us our cut we do not care what you do um sometimes it would even go a step further where for example in athens the lawmaker solon i'm sorry if i mispronounced that is credited with having created state-run brothels with regulated prices (laughs) so um basically there was the you could go there and you would have a regulated price to uh basically have sex with either a woman or girl of all ages so girls as well um and you could also though have young men who were prostitutes um and the clientele would have all been men yeah um because there's the idea in ancient greece that you know basically for boys and young men being the passive participant in sex is like still not great but like it's fine it's acceptable whereas like for like a man who has come of age you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to be the active participant right so as long as you're the active participant like there's nothing like you're you're it's it's not like frowned upon like this is not socially like strange in any way or like um like frowned upon basically a lot of the time um these brothels were also seen as sort of a like necessary public infrastructure if you will because there's this idea that extramarital relationships with a free woman like a like woman who was not a prostitute who was not a slave would be severely dealt with right because a like respectable quote-unquote woman in ancient greece is supposed to be a virgin on her wedding night and then only ever have sex with her husband so if you are a male and you want to have sex as we talked about in previous episodes the average marriage age of men would have been about 30 in ancient greece so if 
a safe young Athenian man wanted to have sex before he got married at the age of 30, his options were slaves or prostitutes. Which, uh, as I'm going to talk about now, is often one in the same, depending on the situation. So you actually have like levels of prostitution in ancient Greece. So you have the pornai, who were at the bottom end of the scale. They were the property of a pimp. And the pimps would take some of, in some cases, like it seems like all of their earnings. Um, the owner of this person could be a citizen or a non-citizen of the Greek city in question. And this activity was just considered a legitimate source of income. So again, like it, it literally it, being a pimp is listed next to things like cooks innkeepers oh like just like a regular old job of owning a bunch of slaves and forcing them to have sex for money for you ancient greece also known as grand theft auto 3 <laughs> so then um a step above this was the independent prostitute who would be closer potentially to what we would think of as like like a like somebody who at least somewhat had a say in the matter um so basically these were people who did not necessarily have a pimp or a brothel they would just right. work the street um and sometimes apparently there they did have publicity like that they would do so there are <laughs> sandals with marked soles where the imprints that they would leave in the dirt on the streets would say follow me on the ground as she walked so you could find her and i'm like girl she knew how to that's amazing she knew how to how to get her back <laughs> um like drop like dropping a pin yes exactly I'll be, here. <laughs> be right here <laughs> Um, and these people could be from various origins. It was, but a lot of the time it was impoverished, um, you know, women, uh, especially like widows, people like who could not find other work and had to support themselves. Um, right. Sometimes it would be an older poor nigh who had succeeded in buying back their freedom, which often would happen on credit. So they would have to like pay back their debt to be basically they would they would buy their freedom by working on the street kind of thing right um although some of them did apparently make a decent fortune mm. doing this um if you look at you know the taxation records and that kind of thing because they did have to be uh for example in athens again i'm just going back to athens a lot because we have a lot of documents from there mm -hmm. uh they did have to be registered with the city and pay taxes and in some cases yeah they were they were making making the big bucks so like again we're seeing there's you know a, a range of like how this this could play out for you yeah um and then finally there is the heter heterari um which again i'm sorry if my pronunciation is bad um and this would have been sort of the high class like escort courtesan type of person <laughs> like the idea is she is a beautiful woman um she maybe has a few men as clients at any one time 
but she's also there to have, you know, companionship and the girlfriend experience. Conversation. Exactly. She can come to the parties. Uh, Genuinely, uh, these women were some of the only, I think, the only women who were allowed to go to the symposium, which is like the all male parties after a banquet where like the dudes are all getting drunk and having a good time and they can have their like sexy girlfriends that they paid to be there yeah who like so you know it's it's, don't care about how gross they're being and yeah yeah exactly and they're like like, you know the the idea is that you have this like it's essentially an escort service yeah and uh, but there there has been i will say um some debate here because apparently like there there is some question now um in more modern scholarship being raised as to okay but like you know the the assumption up until maybe like 20 years ago was that these were all free women who were kind of choosing to go into this line of work and become escorts courtesans whatever we want to call them but now there is some pushback on that on well, actually, in some of these other sources, they're being described in the same way as other prostitutes were and other unfree or enslaved prostitutes were and being kind of lumped in together. So there's the question of, okay, were all of them actually free or were they enslaved at some times? Right. Um, so that's basically like my, my caveat that <laughs> we don't actually know. Even Even the high class quote-unquote like fancy ones might have not been (laughs) super stoked about it but again apparently the free heterari actually could become extremely wealthy and control their own finances um once again through taxation records we can see this but there was often like a pretty sharp decline because your career would be quite short because as soon as you were no longer like young and spry um you know, you hopefully had enough savings to kind of ride out the whatever yeah, remaining really life. Yeah, because otherwise um, a lot of them did have to result uh, resort to going back to like working in a brothel or in some cases would actually become pimps themselves or like madams yeah. of their own brothel. So it's sort of a a, a continuing cycle, Yeah, if you will. Um, then we get to ancient Rome, where once again, prostitution in ancient Rome, legal, public, widespread, uh, basically as long as you were paying taxes, you're going to be fine. A registered prostitute was called a meritrix, while an unregistered one, so like a, somebody working under the table was called a prostibule. There were a lot of you know, commonalities with what I just talked about with the Greek system. Um, Once again, there's uh, prostitutes in this case are once again often uh, enslaved people who have been captured in war or purchased at a market. Um, And then that's the the one where it gets me. This is the, the really sad part where in some cases these people were raised for this person for for this purpose um so there were basically prostitute farms who would take in orphaned or abandoned children um and then 
raise them to basically pimp them out um and apparently that was like quite common like for children who were abandoned like they were often raised with the intention that they would then be pimped out as soon as they could like possibly could be pimped out uh another fun fact enslavement into prostitution could be used as a legal punishment against free women so if you were a free woman and you committed a crime you could as a punishment for your crime be enslaved and forced to basically be a sex slave for a while oh my god this wasn't a punishment that could be given to men Oh, absolutely not. Obviously not. Get get your head out of your ass. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> although you, although you could, you could have male war prisoners or other slaves, and then buy them to be your sex slave. That's oh, okay. fine. You just, if you're a free Roman man, you cannot be punished by being forced into being an enslaved prostitute. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I told you there are things I wish I didn't know. <laughs> like, I wish I didn't know about the prostitute farms, but here we are. Um, yeah. So, again, it was legal and it was licensed in ancient Rome. Um, and the thing is, like, I think, again, this is something that we we today have very different views on it but at this time right like if you're a roman man it like even if you're super high social status like you could go and engage with prostitutes uh with like men women children doesn't matter there's no like real moral disapproval for this right like this is completely normalized in society um and brothels were considered, like, a popular place to go for, like, entertainment and, like, having a good time. Right. Although, at the same time, basically, prostituted people were themselves considered to be shameful and, like, very, like, absolute bottom of the barrel of society. I mean, it doesn't help that most of them either were slaves or were formerly slaves who had either bought their freedom or been freed but like don't have any other way to support themselves or Mm -hmm. take care of themselves yeah so they would basically be relegated to the in infamous uh like level of society which is people utterly lacking in social standing (laughs) um and they would also be deprived of most like protections that a citizen would have so you wouldn't like um you, you didn't have the same, like, rights and protections as other people under the law. Right. So I think um, once, uh, once again, we do have to kind of look into how this is actually playing out at the time. Um, because there is some evidence that enslaved prostitutes could still benefit from their own labor um, because in general slaves in Rome could earn their own money if they hire out their skills Mm -hmm. so 
they could at least on that front have that amount of agency of perhaps being able to buy their freedom at some point. Um, And if you were a free person, you could be self-employed and rent a room out of a brothel or like a public building, like a bath for work. Mm -hmm. Often, though, you still would be going into business like essentially with a pimp or a madam um, because otherwise you are like quite vulnerable going out on the streets by yourself basically because like I said there's Mm -hmm. no um, like real legal protections for you um, under the law because of the status that you've been assigned Um, and then I guess the final thing to remember is that in both ancient Rome and ancient Greece is that a lot of the time I mean this is not necessarily prostitution proper if I want to say it that way but like a lot of the time you would be if if you were a very wealthy person then you would just go out and buy a slave specifically as a sex slave basically um so the who like the clientele of these brothels was typically going to be somebody who was kind of middling middle of the road class okay because like you can basically like it's somebody who can afford to go to a brothel but who cannot necessarily afford to just like purchase their own harem of (laughs) sex slaves right um but yeah so that's the situation in in the uh you know in in <laughs> Greece and Rome ancient okay. Greece and ancient Rome but doesn't, then doesn't sound great it it's not it's really not i mean unless you happen to be like like a a super amazing courtesan woman i guess who like finds herself a real fancy sugar daddy but otherwise, it's. I'm not going to lie to you, it's pretty bleak. <laughs> but then we get the Middle Ages where things do get better. I will say that. It, not, not completely, but it's, it's better because, you know, once. I mean, I'm, I'm starting it a little early with the Middle Ages, but we're going to start with Constantine converting the Roman Empire to Christianity in the fourth okay. century. And, you know. Christianity not not thrilled with prostitution <laughs> not thrilled with the sex slave situation no definitely definitely a a, a big no no so we basically see that you which I always find okay are we is this is this part is this period right because in the in the like biblical stories right jesus is like yes. hanging out with a lot of sex workers and being like you yes. shouldn't be treated like this and you shouldn't have to do this if you don't want to because your brothers and sisters of mankind should be assisting people who don't have other yes. means of like helping themselves or whatever right right yes. in the bible that's what we see happening what what seems to happen later in my limited knowledge of the Middle Ages is that they're just like, 
prostitutes are bad people. That and is you're an immoral woman. Not quite correct, actually. Okay, cool. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna bust some myths here. Because, <gasps> I would love myth busting. Because I'm. I'm gonna bust some myths for you. Thank so you. basically, during the Middle Ages, prostitution, obviously, like with the fall of the Roman Empire, like things get a little wild for a bit, <laughs> right? Okay. Like uh-huh. Constantine, Christianity, they tried to be like, no, like, please. Basically, the the stance was, please, men, stop going to prostitutes. Like, prostitution, like, going and have, because you're only supposed to be having sex with your spouse. Right. You're supposed to get married and then only have sex with that person. Right. And, uh, you know, especially the slavery thing, because a lot of prostitutes, as we said, (laughs) were slaves. Mm -hmm. Um, However, uh, especially in the, you know, early Middle Ages... There's a lot of religious campaigns launched against slavery where basically the church is like, you you can't own other people. You're not allowed to do that. Right. Um, so then basically prostitution goes in kind of transforms, we see through the Middle okay. Ages, from basically being a lot of enslaved people to being free people who are doing this in like a marketized way so like they are working out of brothels or working on a street um but you know they are not enslaved by anyone and basically the stance that the church takes is all forms of sex outside of marriage is sinful right period full Mm -hmm. stop however We kind of have to tolerate prostitution because we literally can't get rid of it. <laughs> like, okay. it would essentially be impossible. And also, the the view was, like, okay, I actually have a quote from Augustine of Hippo. Okay. is quoted as saying, if you expel prostitution from society, you will unsettle everything on account of lusts. <laughs> so it's basically, like... I guess we have to, like, put up with this because the alternative is, like, okay, at least now if you're a person who wants to have sex outside of marriage, we can just, like, quarantine all the people having sex outside of marriage in these areas and then you're not going out and trying to, like, seduce your neighbor's spouse or, like, whatever, which is, like, not the best, but, like, we're, we're trying we're right. trying. It's it it is a step up from t- taking abandoned children and <laughs> pimping them out. Like, you know. Yeah. It's very I do much like a, that it like, starts eh. out with the energy of like, you know, if you can't look on a woman without lust, gouge out your own eyes kind of deal where it's like Yeah. Like, this is not the fault of this person trying to get oh, enough yeah, money no. to eat. It is like you are like you the person out here spending money on this are the bad one but oh yeah and i mean that i think i think that is a thing that we overlook is that that continues to be the case in a lot of ways like hypothetically hypothetically married men were not (laughs) legally supposed to go yeah 
to see prostitutes. Like, that is not a thing that they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Clergy and monks and nuns were not (laughs) supposed to do that either. Like, you know? Yeah. So there's, like, this... it's, It's basically, like... We do not condone this. We don't think this is a good thing. But we also, like... There really is not the, there there is neither the desire nor the ability to, like, end all prostitution. Mm -hmm. Because, like, how would you even go about that? (laughs) Um, But there is a lot of, like, you know, you absolutely should not, like, be going to see, like, you should not be patronizing brothels, basically, is, like, very much a stance of, like, no, 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 no. And, yes, there is, like basically to to a degree as well like the idea of okay like we reckon like there are um also stories especially from the early middle ages that come out of this time of like this idea of like women who were who had been like forced into prostitution who'd been enslaved or who had otherwise you know done this um being able to like get out of that and like get married and live like a a good christian life or like you know somebody who like leaves and i think i would need to i need to look it up but there's definitely like people who like leave being a prostitute and like go on to like join a convent or whatever like stuff like that so it's this idea of like yeah you actually shouldn't have to live like this like if you do not want to like you should you know we like it's there's definitely (laughs) the like the vibe of like especially in the earlier middle ages Mm -hmm. um when this is all still such like a hot button issue and there's so much of this still like going around um where there is this idea of like hey like men stop being dicks and being do like, better oh. yeah like basically like do better and also like if you're a man and you want to like get married like you shouldn't be like oh like i'm too good to marry someone who like was a prostitute at one point like if if right. you guys want to get married like you shouldn't like look at her as this like bad person or like person who like is untouchable now or whatever it's like no like you know it's it's presented as this like yes that is like what a like good pious man should do is like see like another person as a human like good job like not radical ideas yeah radical ideas but like basically what ends up happening is middle ages carry on and more and more people get like as this goes on they they become more and more uncomfy with prostitution just like being a thing right like the roman empire has like very much fallen away by now the old mm-hmm. ways are gone it's the high middle ages now baby like <laughs> we have a three three field crop rotation we have the heavy wheeled plow what this is a good christian society what are what are we doing here yeah so some towns try to like crack down on this and be like, yeah, we're going to like not have this going on in our cities, <laughs> um, especially in France and Germany. 
but um like a lot of the time they would essentially just end up being like okay if you're a prostitute you aren't allowed to work within our town walls because this is our special safe space but if you go outside the town walls that's fine that's fine you can you can go out there you can be outside or we start seeing what will turn into like red light districts essentially because Mm -hmm. you will have certain streets that are demarcated as like fine you're allowed to do that over there you can't be just like wandering through the street doing like this is when we start seeing attitudes change a little bit towards more like oh this is yucky i don't like it you know rather than like the um the street thing is like one of my favorite things because so i there's this wonderful podcast that i listen to not so much right now because i don't actually listen to a ton of podcasts when i don't have to drive places but um it's called the illusionist and it's a uh a a podcast about etymology and there was this there's this really weird like english street name um and i can't remember what it is now like what the the name is but she was going through all of these like sort of weird things that you find in english towns where it's like why does every town have like a building that's called this or a street that's called this or whatever right and there's one (laughs) one that is just my favorite thing is because when you like break down the etymology you get back to where it's just called cunt street because all of the yep. streets were named after what you buy there so there's like the bread street and like yep. fish street Butcher and then it's like street. fucking cunt street sorry there's gonna be like this is gonna have to have like a lot of warning like on a bleep. it yeah <laughs> but but cunt street because it's where you go to buy cunt <laughs> I nice. was just like, I remember listening to this on like a drive back from picking up my vegetables from like the local farming co-op like howling about Cunch Street because that's what I do I'm one of those NPR Americans nice <laughs> in my Subaru getting my locally grown vegetables <laughs> listening to etymology podcast Anyway, back to your thing. So yeah, back they put them thing. all. They so, put them all on Cunt Street. Yes, they put them all on Cunt Street. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is like there. There's also just the fact that like it was a much more fluid part of life, like in right. the Middle Ages at this point. Um, you know, so this would be something like in ge- like in general, this was no longer like a lifetime like career like a career in air quotes right like this was (laughs) typically by the middle ages something that was like part of a variety of things that a woman would do to make money so a lot of the time these were still women who were poorer who didn't have family to like help take care of them who didn't have like you know basically people who were down on their luck and normally would be doing things like small like selling things like beer or cheese or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, maybe taking in boarders into their home, that kind of thing, and would occasionally turn to prostitution to make ends meet kind of deal. Right. And like for the most part, like 
They work on quite a few streets. Yes, they work on quite a few <laughs> streets. So, like, she might be on Bread Street this week, but next week, you know it's that time of year. And, like, for the most part, it does seem that, at, at least in my readings on this, that medieval civilians seem to have just been like, yeah, that's that's fine. Like, <laughs> prostitution is a thing that exists, and, like, mm-hmm. that's just part of life. Um, right. You know, as compared to the authorities in the city who are like you need to be quarantined in like these streets whereas the civilians again there seems to be this kind of like Mm -hmm. idea of you know like without (laughs) prostitutes we'd be in a situation where you'd have you know young especially like young unmarried men going around trying to have sex with like you know everything everything so like really they're doing us a favor and like that's fine by me we can just you know that seems fine (laughs) (laughs) um for the most part um this would happen in urban environments however you would have like women who would also capitalize on the calendar of fairs so like they'd figure (laughs) out like which town was having like you know their annual like fair yeah. where every all the traveling merchants and stuff come in and they're like i am also here to sell my wares right um and fun fact you also the crusades were a big boom for prostitution because you have camp followers who are just yeah. like i can make a quick buck um but yeah, so uh, again, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, life was real great if you were a prostitute in the Middle Ages. <laughs> but like, it was definitely a step up from antiquity. Um, by the... Uh, You're at least not owned by anyone. Yeah. And... And yeah, I mean, especially as we get into like the 13th uh, century, like you do get this development towards them just saying like, you know what, like we're not even really going to bother necessarily with red light districts. We're really (laughs) just going to make sumptuary laws the thing. So, for example, in London, well, Mm -hmm. this would have been 14th century, but London in the 14th century, it was fine. Like you could be a prostitute. You can just be out doing, doing your thing. As long as you were wearing a yellow hood to like denote your station you're fine oh so yeah so there was like a lot of um there were places where courtesans had to wear a shoulder knot of a particular color so like a like a sash basically or like a badge so there's this idea right that like basically as long as you're clearly identifying yourself like that's fine (laughs) you know we don't really mind um And I mean, it it was also like a very interesting legal definition because a lot of the time, like there wasn't even really like a particular, there wasn't a really good like legal definition because a lot of the time they would just say prostitute without any, like, like they just didn't feel the need to explain what exactly they meant Um, because, you know, it's like, oh yeah, everyone knows what that is. But we actually do start to see this, like, coming apart where it's like, okay, but what what are we actually using this term for? 
Um, because, for example, we have uh, an example in Marseille in the 13th century statutes. It's the first known definition of prostitution in the Middle Ages, where um, it is described as public girls who day and night received two or more men in their house and as a woman who did business trading their bodies within the confines of a brothel. Uh, whereas in 14th century England, there is, uh, the term was, like, the, the definition was, must be applied only to those women who give themselves to anyone and will refuse none, and that for monetary gain. So, if you refuse this, like, anyone, then you're not... Uh, apparently. Any, any standards yeah. at all. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's important, though, because... Uh, as I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up soon, I promise. Um, no, because as we get into the early modern period, um, they, a lot of the time, these these definitions start to shift to just be mm -hmm. any woman who's like having sex outside of marriage can right. be charged with being a prostitute. Whereas in the Middle Ages, there, if we, we go from basically having no definition to them actually defining it for right. like a, a, a hot second and being like no like you need to actually be like doing this as a job yeah. to be given this label. And then we start seeing this much like harsher, angrier approach um, mm -hmm. with the arrival of syphilis. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because then suddenly people are like, wait, it's the prostitutes. They're spreading the disease. And you're like, they weren't the ones who brought it over, fam. Like, <laughs> I think you were the problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so with that beautiful segue, time to talk about doing. It, I, and I'll, I'll let you take it away, new world expert. Yeah, so um, the, like... The thing that is is going on is that uh, there there isn't at least in like the North American cultural area, right? Like I I am also not an expert in uh, like Central or South America. I know that they had much more like city state type deals going on, and I, I don't know if they're like. Uh, matrimonial situation so I'm not going to speak to that but in like North America in the regions that I focus on um, sex was not like this strictly managed thing in the way that yeah I mean when you it, have a it was matrilineal society um, you're a lot less concerned about who's having sex with who <laughs> Yeah, so um, I'm just I'm just saying that there's no question, you know. You're not like, oh man, yeah, and it's whose like, kid it's... is this? We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it, yeah, there, there, obviously, like we yeah. talked about before, there are like s systems for like marrying, and like theoretically, it is supposed to be that like while you're married, you're having sex with that person, um, but. Like, you can dissolve a marriage relatively easily. Um, it's not going to affect, like, the inheritance or care rights of your children. And, um, again, we've talked about, like, 
paternal and maternal relationships, how they're very different. So there's not really this like sex is being for sale or sex that can be exploited. Women and individuals essentially, but especially women or female presenting people for purposes of this moment, uh, had control over their bodies, even if they were enslaved. Um, slaves again like (laughs) slavery was was different and it had different end goals and was not at all close to what like american chattel slavery is it was uh a a lot of like slave situations had to do with like mourning wars and things like that where people were taken from the community of their birth for the purposes of being integrated into the new community to like replace somebody who had died um yeah again like (laughs) you would have control anyway so uh we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about indigenous people because um there there wasn't this history of sexual exploitation um that there is in the colonial area of things um now that is not to say that like indigenous women did not become a part of the system of exploitation um but from from my understanding um that is a a colonial men exploiting indigenous women um so removing them from their homes and home communities and exploiting them in new places where they are unfamiliar and without resources. Um, This also happened to a lot of colonial women. So we've talked before about how the colonial states in North America were set up um, and how initially people kept being like, we don't want to invest too much into these uh, like cities that will that might fail, you know, people might all die, they might not even make it over there, so, like, let's just send a few men to scope things out, um, and then the men were like, I don't know how to, like, fix my shirt, I don't know how to, I don't know how to cook food, how do I wash my clothes, pl- they're rotting off of me. <laughs> Literally, though, it's, like, so disappointing, um, and so they realize, uh, very quickly that you need women in your society for so many things but especially in these societies where there's a strict division yeah. of labor you need women to keep men alive yeah, <laughs> um, or they're gonna get like horrible diseases they're not going to have like basic first aid care like all of this kind of stuff so they start literally importing women um right we've talked before about Le Fille de Croix. there's a very similar thing that happens in Jamestown um, where the men write to the king and are like yo we need women not just obviously because like we don't have any shirts anymore because they rotted off of us and now we all have sores all over our bodies um, but also like if we're going to actually have this colony then we're going to have to make more people to yeah. live in it um and so they set up a sort of a similar thing to Le Fidroi where they got um a bunch of women mostly from 
London where the government was going to pay for their passage, pay for two dresses and a sort of basic dowry and send them to Jamestown. And they were going to send significantly fewer women than there were known men living in Jamestown. Again, similar to Lefidora, so that the women were essentially guaranteed to get married within the year. Um, now, they weren't, like most of the women who were going to Quebec already had sort of like assigned husbands that they could like swap out once they met them like Pokemon cards or something. Um, just just like how it's written about. Like, I'm sure that it wasn't actually like that, but there's just like this wonderful story of this woman named Malcolette who showed up and was like, nah, man. And just like went and married someone else. You know what? Good for you, <laughs> Margaret. Like, choice. Well done. <laughs> but um, at Jamestown, yeah, these like women showed up. Um, they like, you know, bopped around for a little bit and were like sort of immediately married um and so we have that one specific way where women's um labor and also reproductive labor were being exploited right because obviously these women did not have control over their position in this new society over like essentially even who they were going to marry like there's only like you know a couple dozen men at this point like it's not like they're stepping into like the prime of society yeah and i i was um i also wanted to ask because to i am no expert but my understanding is that most of these women like were like pretty desperately poor and slash or like yes in debt in prison and whatever like they they did not really have a choice this was Yes, these were women who were not going to be able to be married in in yeah. England, right? They did not have a, a dowry. They did not have family, things like that. It was, like, sort of put out, um, you know, into the, like, either, like, hey, come do this and we will give you these things. And so it was basically just, like, ensuring that you can yeah. eat for the rest of your life um and shortly after that there was like another wave of immigration to virginia um of women and young men uh who weren't coming to be the mistresses of these you know new being built up estates um but they were coming over as indentured servants um So again, an exploitation of labor, but we find pretty quickly from the court records that these women were also being, um, and the young men, but especially women, were being um, sexually exploited as well. Um, And we know this from, because uh, like most of these women were not literate um, and didn't, even if they could read, didn't have the resources to write anything down. I mean imagining how expensive paper products and writing instruments were in England in this early modern period like just thousandfold more because there's not the like infrastructure for getting papers and stamps and stuff um in Virginia here um so but what we find from the the court record we're able to track a lot of these women's experiences through court records because um, 
for the period of their indenture, they were considered mm-hmm. property. Um, and a lot of issues come up when your property gets pregnant. Yes. Um, who is going to take care of the resulting child? Um, who's going to pay for it? And who is going to work while said property is ill? Uh, I.e. like giving birth close to and or immediately postpartum, like cannot do the back-breaking labor that indentured women were expected to yeah. be doing. Um, and there, this goes through like an insane amount of debate about like, well, who's going to, you know, take care of these children? What's going to happen? And initially they were like, well, the fathers. Um, and the issue became like sort of immediately obvious because the fathers were all either other indentured or sometimes um this is the very beginning of enslaved people being introduced to virginia um because the dutch west india company refused to sell for the english there was like a whole there's a war going on it was a whole thing um it was really hard to get enslaved people in the 17th century um anyway The fathers were either other indentures who didn't own their labor and so could not provide for anybody, um, enslaved men, or the masters of the house, which, and or the master's friends. And, like, there, there becomes an issue of, like, a woman's just going to randomly name another indentured man. He's not going to be able to, uh, you know take care of this child regardless um that's a problem what do we do with the kid or um she's not going to name anyone because of the fear that she has like so there's all of these writings of these men who are running the courts being like oh no like the the women are just all going to say that it was the their master regardless of whether it was and almost no one wanted to name their masters and it was after um like being charged with uh okay it's so late and i spent all day at the but what is it when you're uh when you're like mean to the judge yeah, contempt <laughs> so after they've been charged with contempt right withholding information withholding evidence things like that um this was the 17th century and uh the court wasn't just going to like make you go sit in a cell for a little bit they beat you um so these women would be flogged um with like and like not like i mean they're getting like 10 lashes for this and at some point in times there's like clarifying notes saying that like they have to um each lash has to draw blood so like they're like not taking this lightly then women would come back and be like look it was my master's best friend like this guy Um, or like, yes, it was the master of my house or something like that. Um, and essentially what happened was that the children were taken immediately upon being weaned and sold. So their indenture would then be sold. Um, and oftentimes for like 15 years or something. Um, and then, uh, the women would have an, another seven years, which is 
for um, transit across the Atlantic, it's normally like 12 years that you would be indentured. So almost the entirety of your initial indenture would then be added to uh, this cost here. So, yeah, and like nothing, like uh, obviously like nothing happens to you these men like if they're indentured men then they're they are also um flogged or beaten publicly along with their pregnant partners um but like in terms of long-term like punishment and if it is somebody with standing in the community like nothing happens to them they're just like gosh john you shouldn't have done that um yeah so we have this very specific way that women in the new world uh, colonial women in the New World are being exploited um, for their children, for like the possibility of having children, and for their labor in the household, and for their labor as like sexual yeah. objects. Um, yeah, and it's it is also clear from these court records; these women are saying that, like, especially when they were, um, when it was somebody of a higher status who got them pregnant they're saying i tried my damnedest to not do this like this person started coming into the house they were following me around like i it was like months i haven't i didn't sleep like i was trying to like be alert so that they couldn't come in it's like these whole long stories um so it is like very clear uh exploitation um um the other thing that was really important with uh this like with the legalities that were coming up with extramarital like sexual relations um was that especially um among freed peoples so once so right essentially there were laws saying that if you were not free if you were an indentured person or an enslaved person you weren't supposed to be having sex because you could not get married Right, you couldn't get married without your master's consent. Your master wasn't going to give consent because if you got pregnant, they were losing yeah. out on work. So, like that was not okay. Um, the other thing was that uh, later in the century, like getting closer to the 18th century, um, the there's this long narrative of how. Um, colonial north america built up the like cultural ideas that made american chattel slavery possible and one of the most important of those things that is continuously having to be rebuilt um is creating a racial divide between extremely impoverished free whites Or, you know, at this point in time, there's not really that conception yet. Um, So free, you know, Europeans and um, enslaved Africans. There has to be that that, a a clear divide there um, or chattel slavery is not going to work. And also you're going to have um, essentially like class solidarity. And there's so many more impoverished, indentured, enslaved people than there are land-owning, wealthy lawmakers. And, um, 
they want to they want to keep that completely separated so that you can essentially control property um and thus have have power and if you go back to like our first couple of episodes where we talk a lot about how um property ownership really shaped the the legal system of the united states and of canada um but especially the united states um this becomes really clear because the power that this chattel slavery allowed for people and the creating um this sorry i have the hiccups this racial hierarchy is so important and we see it like later toward the end of the 18th century start to break down um with dock workers in new england right where the revolution quote-unquote revolution the war for independence really starts as this like solidarity movement between um like enslaved and free black dock workers and their indentured and free white dock workers being like this is so screwed up like and people who were working on sailors etc being like this is so screwed up and it starts out as like this worker strike that is then like co-opted essentially by um wealthy landowners um but the it's it is co-opted because of the fear that a successful movement of poor white people and um enslaved blacks is just going to be too powerful to maintain a system of hierarchy anyway getting back to women being sexually exploited one of the 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 things that they were most afraid of was indentured white women having sex with enslaved africans um and what would happen to those children because throughout all of um english history up until this point I'm assuming you can correct me if this is I'm saying all but whatever um the status of a child followed the status of their mother so right if she was free the child was free so the yeah okay so we have clarified this the the and that's what right this was the house of Burgess the governing body of Virginia um in this colonial period is say initially said yes um the problem they have then is that there are then like little black babies running around getting to be free and they can't have that (laughs) and they can't have the idea that it is okay for white women to have sex with black men um though we can't have that if we're going to create a racial hierarchy um and this is where like when we think about like oh well this isn't like explicitly designed oh it it is it's (laughs) yeah yeah, there, it, there's, like, this historical issue of, like, do we, how, how much do we say that, like, the oppressive systems that we live under were expressly designed to be oppressive in the ways that we're thinking about them? And, like, so, yes, they are designed over, like, centuries of work, but, like, each one, each step in this is a, is a conscious yeah. decision. And this is a conscious decision to say, no, we want poor indentured white people to think that they are above enslaved black people and so what they do whereas if so we'll have right marianne is a an indentured woman from ireland serving this english family in virginia um and she has sex with the guy 
this other indentured guy who delivers, I don't know, beer or something. Um, and she gets pregnant and has a child. That baby would be sold into an indentured, right? That guy, say that guy is also Irish indentured guy. Um, that baby would be sold into an indenture, but only for like, I think it's like 12 years or no, it's the first two years of their lives. And then they have the person who bought that child essentially has the option to apprentice them into a trade. Um, and then like buy their labor, essentially it's like this whole complicated thing where essentially the person is free it's just that their labor has been purchased um, so that somebody will provide right. food for gotcha. them. Now, if same Marianne has sex with um, an enslaved man on that farm, right? right? Um, so somebody from Jamaica or Africa who has been brought to Virginia and is enslaved will be a slave for the rest of their lives. Um, that child would be sold most likely to the master of that house, but for 35 years of indentured servitude. At which point, and like... Jesus Christ. the, the, The thing with this is that the life expectancy for somebody held in bondage is only like yeah. 50. Like um, that That honestly sounds high like to the me. The amount of... Honestly. Yeah. The amount of labor that uh, they would be doing, like, by the time you're 50, like, you really can't, like, your your body is yeah. destroyed. Um, so, essentially, what they're doing is not saying that, like, the children of these white women are going to be enslaved, but functionally making it so that any children of color born to white women would be yeah. enslaved, right? Um, without, like, overturning hundreds of years of yeah. precedent um but yeah so uh during this period up through most of the 18th century um the british um north america is pretty sparsely populated um women are being exploited for sexual and reproductive labor without it being like sort of f- a formal system of prostitution right. um as cities grow, we find more things that are similar to, uh, like brothels, but not in the way that we think of brothels now. When that develops is really the 19th century yeah. with the systems that we've talked about before, where there's like f- sort of frantic urbanization, people moving from the like sort of moral centers and, uh, like, modes of courtship that they had known in like their rural lives to being especially for young men moving to in the first wave of like becoming factory workers um they were incredibly isolated um and it was just like essentially the only sexual outlet that was available to them and it was exactly the kind of brothels that we think that they are uh where it is like poor desperate women being exploited by whoever is around um the place that it is not in the same period 
is uh, the sort of like manifest destiny, moving out west kind of yep. deal. Um, because again, right, all these men started moving out west. Uh, they don't know how to take care of themselves. Uh, and women just sort of like followed, like, this is a thing that I could do. So it's like these, like, honestly girl bossing just close enough to the sun kind of women who went out and started these brothels around places where there was like mining or railroad camps set up or things like that and they ended up the the madams of these brothels ended up being like the most wealthy people in these territories or colonial people in these territories like they were making bank and in um at least three different when they were became states in like the 1850s um i can't remember the exact states because i didn't but they're i know what you're talking about it's wyoming 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 uh is the first state in the union to um have female Mm -hmm. suffrage um because the the people who ensured that it was a state and controlled all of the banks because they were the only ones who were turning a profit none of the like mines or railroads or anything were turning a profit yet were mm-hmm. madams and so they were like if i'm going to do all of the fucking infrastructure work for you i'm going to vote and so the only way that you can get this to be a state is if we can vote um so yeah they were like running everything like post yeah. office like everything was being run through the brothels because it was the only place where there's like any sort of semblance of education or like basic infrastructure needs being met, like organization, like anything. It was just like, yeah, it's the reading about the women running broth like it's it's it is still like a lot of exploitation and it's not great but for the women who are actually running these situations like it is some like boss babe girl boss stories of like going out and like like coming from not great situations deciding to risk it going risk out it all and then just like rolling in it because men are dumb yeah <laughs> sounds about right um yeah and a lot of the things that people were trying to make money on out west uh took a long time to actually turn a profit things like railroads I mean, some of them still don't turn a mining profit. endeavors railroads are still not yeah. profitable in most places <laughs> They, they, they were, were for like okay, a moment. So to be fair, they were. They were in the 19th century. They were like, it was pretty dope to be, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, uh, uh, the people who made out with the most bank from the like rapid industrialization and building of railroads across the continent were definitely madams. Um and yeah, they controlled the politics of the West. So when uh, you see all these like cowboy movies and they're rolling into town and it's like, oh, the sheriff got to like be on his good tide. Nobody cares what the sheriff thinks because the sheriff is only going to do what the richest woman in town is going to tell him to do. Because if he doesn't, he's not going to get to have sex with any of her girls. Listen. And that's the true currency that- of the West. That makes sense, you know? That is 
Yeah, and I'm sure that there's somebody out there who can do like a much more detailed. Oh, I'm sure uh, there's someone who could do a much more detailed of of everything <laughs> we said, always. But you know, yeah. where are they? Yeah, they're not doing it. We are so <laughs> <laughs> not on our podcast. Um, but yeah, that's a uh, sort of like what what went down in North America. I mean, all in all, it has not been a great time to be a woman or poor person in general in North colonial North America. And I would say just in general, it's not been great (laughs) historically to be a woman, especially if you're poor just anywhere. Yeah. It was a, it was a a bad time, time. but, um, you know, yeah. Like Paris Hilton says, uh, don't be poor. Stop being poor. (laughs) Just stop being poor. (laughs) But in seriousness, I do think that it's important to talk about this because I think a lot of the time, like, like genuinely, I yes. think like we tend to have these ideas of like, like, I feel like a lot of it gets glossed over, especially in like a traditional history class or a traditional like, you know, social studies class or whatever. And you come away with this idea of like, ah, yes, like everything was exactly like the Victorian ideal that we've been told of like, you know that you know everyone like minded their p's and q's and everyone got the victorians were so gross they and uh, (laughs) they also had many many brothels but my point is like you know we have this idea of like oh everyone in the past was prim and proper and like everyone just like got married the moment they turned 15 and then had monogamous sex only and then they all died and it's like (laughs) no no there's there's more to the story than that life is complicated history is complicated yeah i also think like at least for me like every time i talk to um like an ancient historian like the only thing i know about the ancient Greeks and Romans are like democracy you can be a citizen and it's like I feel like in your standard history or social studies classes um you don't really talk about what it's like to not be a citizen of Rome yeah yeah and I think we also like considering all women were not citizens (laughs) and I I think it's also a very like I mean this is getting into like like, it's this idea also of what kind of, like, ideas, like, culturally and, like, morally and, like, that kind of thing, like, we kind of go into with these certain assumptions. Like, you know, people will talk yeah. about, like, like, you know, this idea of, like, okay, like, most, like, modern Western, quote-unquote, like, thought philosophical ideas etc like and and also just like people people's views on morality especially and like what's okay what's not okay like is a lot of the time coming out of this like overwhelmingly christian tradition so then like you have people who are like oh but i'm not like actively like i'm not a christian like maybe you weren't even raised necessarily like in a religious household but it's like but these ideas still have permeated like right like as compared to Mm -hmm. like 
you know, the morality of ancient Rome or ancient Greece, which is like completely foreign to us. Or the, or medieval, the medieval period. period. Like what does like, it, what is it actually? Like what, what was, what do we actually have historical evidence for? And what is just the conjecture. ideas that we think it is because of how the Victorians told us yeah. it was? Yeah, exactly. Right. I feel like, it's like a- so much of my historical education at like the university and uh like postgraduate level has been hey a lot of what you were told in like primary or secondary school is just coming from this bizarre version of history that was written by like 19th century yeah. people like written by Who, victorians like, themselves or, did not like, understand whatever. a lot of things and like <laughs> yeah i yeah. think i just and there's not actual like evidence for a lot of yeah. what they've said, and yeah, and I, I, I th- this is also just me airing my frustrations when people do the whole like, oh, but like you know, I obviously understand like all religions, and like I have a perfect grasp on like how everyone must think because I like, you know, read a paper once, and I'm like, y- you know what I mean? Like you see it a lot where people are yeah. like. No, like, the, these ideas that you have are, like, fundamentally coming out of, like, a Christian worldview. Like, if you are talking yeah. to someone who was raised, like, in other parts of the world or, like, with different religions, like, there are different mm-hmm. ideas. And, like, you should not just, like, superimpose Western-style yeah. Christianity onto other people. And, like, I, I think... Yeah. And contemporary Yeah, and, like, contemporary Western-style Western style Christianity. Christianity. But, like... That's that's the thing. Like this is where I like to point out sometimes where I'm like, I don't think you understand how fundamentally like <laughs> Christian thought and religiosity changed how things went down in Europe. Like I don't think you can understand yeah. the grasp of that, but then like like yeah. you cannot just superimpose that onto Well, so there is something like coming out of this that I think is important I think can like sort of tie into what you said earlier about like understanding the morality of ancient Greece and Rome and the idea of like the sexual mores of that period yeah because like I've I've been um doing work like as a public historian and like creating stuff for like general interested visitors to a place to like learn about the history of this place Um, and it's really cool and awesome, but there is, like, this sort of fundamental disconnect between, like, myself, the researcher and historian, and the people who have at least initially been interacting with my work, where there, there doesn't always seem to be an understanding of even the people who are descended from the culture that we're talking about, right? Regardless of, like, if that's European, colonial, like, indigenous North America, whatever it is, the the people who exist now do not have the same worldview yeah. as the people who existed in, like, you know, early modern yeah. wherever. Um, that it is a fundamental different understanding of the world that identities are fundamentally different regardless of whether or not I'm talking about a you know 
English colonial in Virginia, not, you know, a hundred miles from where I grew up, mm-hmm. that person is living in a fundamentally different culture, language, and universe than I grew up in. Yeah. Um, and if we're talking about, like, I am going to go and talk to, you know, an indigenous person from this nation living on this land, they are still not in the same worldview, culture, and language that existed 500 years ago, right? Yeah. Everyone changes and evolves, you know, I don't, I don't love that word evolves because it makes it sound like it's like getting better, but like develops. It's like it. everybody just, everything changes and knowledge bases change and interactions with other cultures, colonialism, all of these things change how people view themselves and others. Um, and so you can't just be like, like that's so much of the work of decoding history is figuring out, well, like they're ha- like, people are punishing this or talking about this this way or using this specific or like when you were talking about like defining what prostitution meant yeah that whole discussion is like such an interesting thing to look at because that's going to explain like so much about the wider culture of what people believed about what is good and moral you know and what is what is not and like what is healthy and what they want to be part of their community and what they don't want to be part of their community like all of these things are like yeah (laughs) but like we're not gonna know just because we're like yeah I speak English I'm part of this like larger Anglo world like it's not the same worldview as the no as the middle ages and I feel like there's like um uh, in a lot of the ways that we like, talk about things with, like, the, uh, like, the, like, internet. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Bapiaga Project. And as always, thank you to all our patrons for making this project possible. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and her website for the most up-to-date happenings in the project. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It'll really help us continue the project and expand in some really exciting ways. And there's Patreon-exclusive merch! Thanks again, and we'll see you next week!